Savior. If you do, what a glorious day that will be. But I must be honest with you, if you do not, it will not be a glorious day. It will be a day of great tragedy beyond anything you could imagine. The Bible says, In hell the rich man lifted up his eyes, been in torment. So it's a blessed day if you're saved and know Christ. But if you're not, let me remind you, you're in the best place you could possibly be. I've got good news for you. You don't have to stay that way. I've got greater news than that. Jesus will save you. If you're breathing air this morning, He's more than ready, willing, to wash your sins away, make you white as snow. What a blessed Savior we have this morning. If you don't know Christ, you don't have to wait. You say, well, but in the service... I'll come and get said, no, you, you, we'll call time out. We'll lead you to the Lord and we'll shout over it while you're being saved. Amen. 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 You can come right now. See, we need to realize that this thing's a serious business. And uh, well, we need to know Christ. What, what a blessed day it will be for those that are born again. All right. Amen. First Samuel chapter number 9. 1 Samuel chapter number 9. Truly, this is a message that I would ordinarily, my custom would ordinarily be a Sunday night message. And I've debated all morning long about where to preach it. I've had another message on my heart, but God just keeps running me back this way. So... Those of you that don't come back Sunday night, you'll get a Sunday night message. And maybe it'll encourage you. Now, if you're a member of the church and you're saved, you shouldn't have to be asked. You should be in your place. You should be in your place. But if not, you've not got settled, maybe this tonight, this morning. Would encourage you to do so. Lessons learned in donkey chasing. Lessons learned in donkey chasing. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeor, the son of Bechrath, the son of Althea, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man, and a goodly and there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. Means he was taller than any of the rest of the crowd. Stood out. And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, Take now one of the servants with thee, and arise and go seek the asses. And he passed through the Mount Ephraim and passed through the land of Shashia, but they found them not. Then they passed through the land of Shalom, and there they were not. And they passed through the land of Benjamites, but they found them not. And when they were come to the land of Zeph, Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come and let us return, lest my father leave 
Care for the ashes and take thought for us. Lessons learned from donkey chasing. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Brother Ronnie, how about you praying? Amen. You may be seated. Those that are a guest this morning, thank you for being here. Good to see Chris and Amy Serball here with us today. Good to see Frank back with us this morning. And others, we, I'm, I'm going to start naming people. I'll miss somebody as sure as the world. Let me remind you, we will not have choir practice this evening. We'll have deacons meeting at 5 o'clock. And we'll be discussing some things in the church. Let me be very clear. Let me be very clear. You want a voice, you be here. If you're not here, you don't have, you forfeit your voice, all right? So be sure to be here. Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 9 is a man of great heritage. His kinfolk were a hearty band of whom success had achieved. Seven generations can be traced back. Because of the success of Saul's family, he grew up with a much pressure riding on his shoulders. The text described his father as a mighty warrior with much valor and a very wealthy man. Saul grew up with all the advantages of, uh, that come from this kind of heritage. He stood head, shoulders taller and above everyone else. Matter of fact, if you, you had been in the crowd, you could have pointed him out. He was that tall. And the Bible says he was goodly, which means he, he was good looking. Saul stole the hearts of the girls. Saul would have been very athletic in his day. Probably the MVP of, of his team. He would have been a great businessman in his day and Saul perhaps would have been a top author. Truth of the matter was Saul had the makings and everything around him in an environment that would just truly promote this young man to be success and successful. So nothing prepares us for the first assignment that we read in the Word of God that's given to this man called Saul. Imagine, all your life you've been told how great you were. Some of you have been told how great you were. What's really sad is you believed it. Saul been told all his life how great he was, how fantastic he was, and how successful he's going to be. But his first job, dad says, Saul, come here. I need you to go do something for me. Okay, dad. What is it you want me to do? Kill giants? 
Fight bears? No. No. I want you to go donkey chasing. Say again. Son, you heard me right. I want you to go donkey chasing. My donkeys have got out. Now I want you to go chase them down. But Dad, don't you understand? I'm educated. Dad, don't you understand? I'm, I'm a business person. Don't you understand? My status in life, don't you understand how great I am? Really? You want me to go? Chase down? Fence jumping? Stubborn? Filthy? Donkeys? That's like asking a heart surgeon to fix your, in, uh, your, uh, your ingrown toenail. That's like asking a Harvard businessman to run your lemonade stand. There's a huge gap between Saul's preparation and Saul's assignment. It's like asking a home run hitter Bases are loaded with the last two, two, two outs and the bases are loaded and you're down two runs and ask a home run hitter to get up and bunt. We want you to bunt. Doesn't make sense, does it? And yet, 1 Samuel 9 and verse 2, we're told of the great grandeur Saul was. And then in verse 3, he's told and sent donkey chasing. Wow. Wow. What What a contrast. Well, let's talk about donkeys for just a little bit. First of all, let me say the characteristics of donkeys. When we begin to look and, and all of a sudden donkeys becomes the issue here, we find that donkeys were used to carry heavy burdens. And Saul was sent to pursue something that carried burdens for others. Sometimes, sometimes in life, God will determine that we're to help others carry their burdens. Donkeys were used for plowing the land. They were Paul, Saul was you, was sent to pursue something that would involve the harvest. Sometimes our life is spent in determining the harvest that God is wanting to give. Donkeys were used for desert expeditions. Saul was sent to chase something that was going to bring profit to someone else. Sometimes our lives can be determined by how willing we are to help someone else succeed. Don't miss this statement. The test, are you listening? The test of a great life is to see how many others you can help gain their dream before yours comes to pass. 
the great test of a great life is to see how many others people you can help gain their dream before yours comes to pass. Donkeys were associated with contemptible things and you know they they were not they as Saul was was tempted to chase something that that on the surface wasn't very good, very noteworthy. You you didn't uh, nobody bragged about boy I'm gonna go chase donkeys today. But I can't wait to chase donkeys today. Nobody bragged about that. Nobody bragged about that. Sometimes God uses things in our life to help others and pursue things that are not pleasant and not easy. Donkeys were sterile. Well, sometimes we are called and we, we pray for something and it seems like it, it never gets answered and, and sometimes it seems like God's not listening. Again, another statement, don't miss this. Don't get lost in the season of your life and ministry. Don't get lost in a season. This superstar, if you will, he is sent to chase donkeys, which was just very menial. That, that would be like, honestly, me bringing the Billy Graham in here, he would be someone that, that noteworthy and saying, we, we want you to help take up the offering. I'm not going to let you preach. I just want you to take up the offering. That's kind of the contrast that you have in this story. But then it gets, gets worse. We see its conclusion is a dead end. That, that's, it gets worse. Because they end up at a place called Zuth. It means a dripping honeycomb. But on this day, Saul found nothing but the stinging bees. He didn't find the honeycomb. He found the stinging bees. It was a place that was a dead end. It was a place where Okay, I obeyed, I, I went, and I did exactly what God wanted me to do, and, and it's come to, it's just dead end, it's, it's been useless, it's been a waste, and I'm a failure, and I failed, I can't even find donkeys, I, I'm just, just done with the whole thing. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever been there? Saul was there. And it was an event in his life associated with doing something so powerful, so meaningful, so fantastic. And now it all crashed. He couldn't even bring the donkeys home. He sent to chase. And it seems like all is just a failure. Have you ever been there? 
Have you ever been to that place in your life? So what are the principles that we can learn in this donkey chasing? Why did Saul need to be donkey chasing anyway? I mean, come on now. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. When uh, Israel went to Samuel, said, Samuel, we want a, a king like everybody else has got a king. We want a king to fight for us. And now we're not joking, God, but we just, we're not going to follow him. We're not going to listen to him. We want, we want another king. And immediately, everything turned to Saul as being the one. He was that great and that fantastic. So what are the purpose? Well, let me give you three things this morning. And I hope you'll remember this. It'll help you. This right here can do more for you in your Christian life than you could ever imagine. But you got to listen. First of all, donkey chasing put him in contact with the servants of God. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 6, And he said unto him, Now they're, they're at Zoth. They've not found any donkeys. They came, and, and Saul said, Now, boys, we, we just need to go back because daddy's going to start worrying about us and he'll forget about them stupid donkeys anyway. And, and uh, we need to forget them donkeys. Daddy's going to start worrying. And we need to go back. But in verse number 6, the Bible tells us that he come in contact with some servants. He said unto him, Behold, now there is in this city a man of God. He is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. Now the Bible doesn't tell us who this servant was. But I like this servant. He's among that multitude of unknown servants in the Word of God. Please tell me the names of these people. Who were the servants that filled the water pots at the first wedding Jesus attended and performed the miracle? Please stand and tell me the name of the servants that filled the water pots. Please tell me who was, who was Jonathan's armor bearer who helped him defeat the Philistines? Who was that man that stood behind and carried the shield? Who was the little boy? What was the little boy's name that gave the man of God Get one of the disciples that give to Jesus his lunch. What was the little boy's name that gave his lunch? Who was, what was the name of the mighty 300 that helped Gideon win the battle? See, there's hundreds 
of unknown servants in the Word of God. And we have some here. And they said, No, don't leave Saul. There's a man of God in the city. And whatever he says comes to pass. And he'll tell you which way you need to go. He said, go see him. He'll help you. Boy, sometimes the calamities of life put us in contact with the very people that God has purposed to put in our lives to give us another direction. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. We find sometimes the difficulties of life put us in a position. Boy, so far, far too often we get focused on the donkey chasing and miss what God is doing in our very lives. God can put you in a place at the right time, at the right purpose, to give you direction. You would have never gotten. I love this. Don't miss this. God can use the humblest servant to speak some great direction in our lives. God can use the most humblest servant. Someone, someone you don't know. Someone you never met. Well, that's the reason why. That's the reason why. Some of you will live and die as miserable as you are right now because you're too stinking proud. Pride rules your life and you're too proud to let anybody in. You keep everybody out and you forfeit the ability for God to use you in a great way. Boy, I surrender to preach. And it's going it's to mess some of you Baptists up, but you'll get over it. I love being a Baptist, by the way. I'm Baptist from the head to the, top of my, to the sole of my foot. I ain't changing. But when I surrender to preach, a church of God invited me to come and preach. Nobody else had, so praise God I went. Amen. And I love it. you got, you got to love this. Preacher God said, the man of God's worth is highest. They took me up an offering, $7.80. That's about all I was worth, too. All right? But a dear little woman come up to me. And no doubt she's a church of God woman. I'll just say that. She come up, she put her hands on my shoulders. And that meeting, I don't remember a thing else other than the offering. And I remember that woman. She said, boy, God... Said, son, God is going to use you. The spirit of a living God is in your preaching. Boy, that just that helped me so much. I don't know her name. I don't know who she was. But I know this. God, in the midst of our look like failures, God may put you in contact with a servant of God that can change your life. You see, perhaps God had to break knock all the props out from under Saul to get him to listen to the servant of God. 
It may be. Saul wouldn't have listened. Unless he got to the place where I can't find my donkeys. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And God sends by some servants. Just simple servants. We don't even know who their names were. Years ago, I thought about this, preparing this message. Years and years ago now, it was in a little white church at the time. And I know it's been at least, been at least, uh, oh, 2003, it's been at least 16 years, longer than that. And uh church I grew up called me and they said, we want you to come to pastor. And I said, well, I'll pray about it. And I hung up the phone. I said, honey, you pack, I'll pray. Amen. And uh, that was how settled I was on it already. But we went to a funeral home that night. To this day, I don't know who that man was. I still don't, I don't know who he was. But he said, he come up to him just out of the blue, put his hands. He said, young man, don't you jump shit because the grass looks green on the other side. Don't you jump the fence. He said, that grass has got to be mowed. You'll miss God. If God's got you there. You stay there. They had no idea who he was. But that simple servant of God had no idea how much he directed my life that day. Probably he's kept me from making a mess. So you see here, see here, donkey chasing, put him in contact with the servants of God. My, that story's been, I, I've seen that happen over and over again. I've seen that just come to play so many times. When I saw everything was a failure, when I saw all was lost, God has done the most monumental things. I'm trying to help you this morning. One day I got a call and I had visited every hospital from Valdez to Hickory to, to Lenore. I had visited every hospital in one day and I got right back to the church and I got a call and said, would you go see my brother in Catawba? I said, yeah, I'd be glad to. Hung up the phone and started fussing. I tell you, I'm a real Baptist. I'm, I'm pure Baptist. And I must confess, I complained all the way to, to Catawba Hospital. Well, bless God, they're not even members of the church. God down there walked in the room. They had sent him home. And now I walked out of the room and I'm, I'm really aggravated and upset and acting like you do sometimes. Started down the hall and a little black woman sitting in a chair. Hey, is you? Is you a preacher? And I can't tell you how those words just crushed me. I hadn't been acting like a preacher. I hadn't been acting like a heathen. And I looked at her and I said, Ma'am, I'm trying. 
You back, I've been waiting. Somebody pray with me all day. You back here. You pray first. I prayed a few words. But then she started praying. I believe if I'd have looked up, I'm not sure I want to see God Himself. I left that day understanding something. We get so called up in our hellish self. I, I didn't stutter. I said, in our hellish self. We get so hung up about ourselves. We tend to forget that even in the midst of our failures, what looks at a dead end, God may want to do something so monumental it changes you for life. I've never visited a hospital and someone not be there and complained. Some of you right now, you feel, I'm a failure. Well, I'm just just a failure. You, You need to start looking around. There's a servant of God got something for you. A word for you. There's something God's doing. Do you think God is, is so limited that, that when we can't find our donkeys, when we think we failed, that He gives up? you think He's stopped? No. He's still God. Second, put Him in con- donkey chasing. Put Him in contact with the servants of God. Donkey chasing. Put Him in contact with the sovereign plan of God. What was the thing that set Saul's life into action that he would be anointed and pushed towards the throne? Donkey chasing. The great escape of the donkeys. Why did Saul? Why did Saul's father send him? Why not another servant? Why was Saul willing to obey his father? Why was servants spoke of meeting a prophet? Why is Samuel in this city at this time? And why are you here this morning for this time? You're not an accident. You're here for divine purpose. In a sovereign plan of God. I read this story and I love it. In a German village stood an old Stonewall Church. And it had beautiful stained glass. And it had one of the greatest stately pipe organs. One day the caregiver was interrupted by a young soldier. Sir, would you please permit me to play the organ for one hour? No, sir. No, sir, nobody plays that organ but our organist. Please, sir, I've got to leave in about an hour and a half and I may not get back. 
Would you please let me play for just an hour? Reluctantly, the caretaker gave the young man a key. He said, here, here's a key because the key unlocked the organ. The soldier went up and unlocked the organ and sat down and began to play. And in a few seconds, the caretaker just stopped. He was just mesmerized by the beautiful music that young man played. He opened the door and in a little while, a whole crowd of people filled the church and outside. And by the time the young man got there, the place was just packed. He walked up and gave the caretaker the key and he said, Son, what is your name? And he said, Felix Mendelssohn. Is that how you pronounce that? At 20 years of age, he became one of the most celebrated composers of the European continent. And the old man walked away and said, My, I almost missed giving the master the key. May I ask you a question? Will you miss this morning giving the master the key to your life? He wants to do something for you. He wants to help you. He said, just to think, I almost missed giving the master the key. See, Saul's donkey chasing is going to put him in contact with the sovereign plan of God. Isn't it amazing? God's great plan stopped the funeral service and the widow of Nain got her son back. Sovereign plan of God addressed the demonic in Gadaria. And the legion of demons left him. The providential hand of God stopped the man with a withered hand. And he was healed. And the poor lame man was laid at the gate beautiful, was healed by God's sovereign plan. I wonder how many times, how many times God wants to do something. It's through the avenue of donkey chasing. When I was a little boy, an old man taught a Sunday school class in a church where I attended. And because of he's getting on up in age, the the uh, the next year they said, listen, we won't let this young man teach a couple of weeks out of the month and give him experience. And that old man got mad and said, I ain't playing second fiddle with nobody. Walked out of the church. Sad to say, he never walked back in. And he forfeited everything God wanted to do in his life. Just because I ain't donkey chasing. I ain't donkey chasing. 
Get somebody else to do it. Get somebody else to do it. Donkey chasing puts us in contact with the servants of God. Donkey chasing puts us in contact with the sovereign plan of God. Folks, I serve a God that's in control of every situation. Then donkey plan chasing put him in contact with a simple obedience to God. Saul's life should have been a life of obedience from start to finish. If he had stayed obedient, the course of his life would have been much different. But notice what the life of Saul's in God's plan. First Samuel nine fifteen, and the Lord had told Samuel in his ear, don't miss that, a day before Saul came saying, the day before Saul showed up, God's whispered in the man of God's ear, there's a man coming tomorrow that I want you to anoint the next king of Israel. He said, there's a man coming tomorrow. And that's something. And that's something. Saul thinks he's just donkey chasing. So you think this time and place in your life is just your failure. Just your failure. What you don't understand is if you're being obedient, God's got a divine and a holy plan for your life and a purpose. See, God can get me where He wants me to be without me. When you cannot dream, God's working. When you can't envision it, God's working. When you can't expect it, God's working. When you cannot conceive it, God's working. And obedience is a key to our walk with God. You know the reason why? Now I'm going I'm to I'm be just as blunt as I can be. The reason why you'll never have a place with God that's rightfully yours if you're saved. You may not be saved. You just may not be saved. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about people that have no concern about the things of God. They never have a desire for the house of God. They never have a desire to grow. I'll be honest. You need to check up. Jesus truly lives in your heart. You don't want to die in the state of not knowing. I know. Praise God I'm saved. Hallelujah. I know I'm saved. Not guessing or questioning. And I don't want you to have to ask, Darlene, well, was the preacher saved when I die? I want you to say, Hallelujah! I know he was. He heard him say he was. Are you saved? Maybe you're just not saved. Maybe you're just kidding yourself. I'll be honest with you. If you've never seen yourself as a lost sinner, second, you're willing to confess that to God, probably are not saved. But we all recognize we're a sinner. We need to be saved. But obedience. And obedience is the key. Why 
would God, listen to me, why would God want to do something great for you in your life if everything you're doing is disobeying what you already know is true? I didn't say what you didn't know. I said what you know. Isn't it amazing? We know a lot. And God says, I want you obedient to what you know. Saul! Saul! You're not just donkey chasing. When you get down there, there's a servant I want you to see. And that servant is going to send you to Samuel, the man of God. And when you get to Samuel, the man of God's going to say, I've been waiting on you, and I'm going to anoint you as king. I love this. I love this. When he gets done, he says, and by the way, your donkey's at this certain place over here. Your donkey's right over there. He told him where the donkeys were. See, he has no problem telling you where your donkeys are either. What's important, he'll tell you. If God can bring David out of the sheep to be a king, if God can take Moses at 80 years of age and use him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, if God can use Joseph in an Egyptian prison, if God can use a Daniel in a lion's den, if God can use Amos under a sycamore tree, there is much he can do with me in the middle of donkey chasing. May we not miss the lessons of donkey chasing. Let's all stand to our feet.